Hi friends, and welcome to the She Lives Purposefully podcast, a place for you to be encouraged and equipped in your walk with Christ. I'm your host, Megan. Hello and welcome or welcome back to the She Lives Purposefully podcast. I am so thankful that you are here and that you are listening and I am so excited for today's episode as we continue to study the book of Jonah today. Today we're studying chapter 1 verses 7 through 17. I encourage you if you have not already gone back and listened to the start of the study we went through um, chapter or I'm sorry verses 4 through 6 and verses 1 through 3 separately. I encourage you to go back and listen to those. I absolutely love going through a book of the Bible that so many of us grew up knowing and hearing and listening to as like a Bible study story. And I think it's so powerful getting to restudy these stories as we are older and really being able to dive into so much of what the Lord has for us in these books because there's so much to be encouraged about, convicted about, and learn about God in through this. So I'm really excited that we're doing this today and that today we are studying verses 7 through 17. So we are going to just dive right in right now. So again, this is verses 7 through 17, and I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. So if you have your Bible, I encourage you to open it up and to read along with me. But if not, I know I love to listen to podcasts, whether I'm cleaning, driving, whatever it is. So if not, you can just listen along. Okay, so verse 7. And again, this is the English Standard Version or the ESV version. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and then the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation and where do you come from? What is your country and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore, they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you." So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. So in this portion, we see Jonah get thrown into the sea to calm the storm that began from his disobedience. He then gets swallowed by a great fish. So here are some big themes that I want to talk about today. I want to talk about 
how God wants to find us. I want to talk about sin, surrender, and even historic legitimacy that this book provides because, and we've talked about this before, but a book like this that is so kind of incredible or unbelievable is something that can come into question so easily for many people. And so I just, I love talking about the historical legitimacy that is found in this book and from other parts of scripture as well. But first, let's talk about this topic, which is God wants to be found and he wants to find us. Well, he has never lost us, but he wants to seek us and he does seek us out. So in verse seven, one thing we see in this is, and this is something that I have always found fascinating, is that God works with their system of casting lots. Although this wasn't a prayer or something that God calls his people to, he works in the ways that those who don't know him can find him. And I think that's just so powerful and something that we see pretty evidently in this verse, and that's in verse 7. Two, let's talk about sin, which is a big theme here. In verse 7 as well, we see that sin finds us out. Whether out of natural consequence, confession, or supernatural intervention, like we see here, the Lord is after his people, and part of what that means is not letting them continue in sin that will harm them. Friend, sin does not define you. In verse 9, Jonah, in the middle of disobedience, says here that he fears the Lord and describes who God is. His fear, or we'll later learn his bitterness towards Nineveh, leads him to disobey God. But in his heart, he fears God. He is of God. We see even people like King David sin time and time again, but he is a man after God's heart. We see disobedience with Jacob, Moses, Aaron, but all of these people are after God's heart. Your sin does not define you. Your identity in Christ defines you. Does that give us freedom to sin? As Paul says in Romans 6, by no means. But our identity, once we're God's, is no longer our sin. We're not bound to it or defined by it. In verses 11 through 15, we see another big lesson through sin, and that is the importance of casting sin out. This story is very intense, but I think that we can learn that our sin affects others. We also see that we need to give our all against sin and disobedience. The sailors were literally throwing him off the course he was on that led him away from God. Of course, they were doing it for themselves, but that's what we see here. They try not to at first. They try to make God be okay with their direction, but the Lord does not relent in making sure that Jonah comes back to him. Okay, another big theme that I think we see in this section of this chapter here is from verse 16, and that is to God be the glory. It is a major point in this part of the story, and it brings us back actually to verses 5 through 6. These men who previously sought all of their own gods for any help in uncertainty learn to fear, sacrifice to, and vow to the true God. God will be glorified in our obedience and even in the process of our disobedience too. 
Although it's not what Jonah should have done, God used Jonah's disobedience and even rather God's reaction to it to bring others to know him, to know the truth. Another big theme to talk about here is surrender. In verse 15, we see the second Jonah is taken off his course, the storm calms. This isn't always the case, but I think it's noteworthy that sometimes we fight hard to do our own thing, to go in a direction that God doesn't have for us. But oftentimes, peace comes with surrender. When we turn from sin, we don't have to know what that whole process is going to look like, how people might react, exactly where we'll go, what will happen if turning from sin might look chaotic or be really hard, like being thrown into the ocean during a storm. Turning from sin is necessary and God will carry you. He'll take care of you. Does that mean it will be easy? No. Will there always be miraculous intervention? No. But does God forgive, restore, and redeem? Yes. Does God care for his people? Yes. Are you in his care and under the shadow of his wings? Yes. Okay, a huge point and the last point that I want to talk about from this section in Jonah chapter 1 is historic legitimacy. And for this, I want to go back to verse 17. This is one of the craziest verses in scripture. I don't think it takes the cake for craziest, but it is up there. While there are definitely facts you can dive into, into the legitimacy of the story in gotquestions.org or answersingenesis.org, here are some important facts to keep in mind if doubts arise about the miraculous points in this story. And these points are some that I got from gotquestions.org, so I highly recommend checking them out. One thing is that Jonah was a historical character. So in kind of diving into if this story is legitimate, the things that are told in the story, one thing that we can know is that Jonah was a historical character. And the book itself was written as a historical narrative. It's not written as like a myth or something along those lines. The traditional view of both Jews and Christians is that the book is historical And I know that this is a very common thing too. I've had friends talk about this where they say, you know, like I love what Jesus says in scripture, but the rest of it, I'm just not sure if that's from God. But Jesus testifies to the book's historical accuracy or historicity, or I'm not sure quite how to say the word, but he testifies to this book's accuracy. Um, So I, I just think that's really important as well. And that fourth point, too, of Jesus testifying to the historical accuracy of this, um, like I said, oftentimes people will point to Jesus as a wise man or even God and trust his teachings but deny other parts of scripture. But a reason why this point is so important is that if we trust God and we trust Jesus, it's important to note that he trusted stories like these. And that can be found in Matthew 12, verses 38 through 42 for those of you who want to dive more into that. So that is our study in Jonah for today. I hope it was an encouragement to you that it equipped you in your walk with Christ, that you were able to take something about the historic legitimacy of this story, about surrender, about sin and casting out sin, about even the fact that your sin does not define you and you can always turn back to Christ. And two, that God will be glorified and he will be found. He is determined to 
have that be done. I, again, I hope this was an encouragement to you and that you felt equipped in this space. Thank you so much for listening to the Sheila's Purposely podcast. If you like this episode and you like the podcast, I want to encourage you to leave a review, share it with your friends, and be sure to subscribe. Those things help the podcast to reach new women and encourage and equip them in their walk with Christ. And I'm so stoked. The podcast has been in like the top um, 19, 20 on Spotify for weeks now, which is so incredible. And I'm so thankful. So thank you so much for sharing, for reviewing, um, for listening and for subscribing. Thank you guys so much. I love you. Have a fantastic rest of your day and live purposefully. Mm -hmm.